Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Yesterday, Bishop Burbage ordained two men, one dear to us because he served here several summers ago, Michael Fulmar, to the diaconate. God willing, next June, they'll be ordained priests for us. This year, we have three priests being ordained this coming Sunday. The experience of ordination is just about as close as I have come to experience something of Pentecost. Many of us have had very dear or even overwhelming experiences of the closeness of God in prayer. And I'd like to maybe draw a map for you of what you have experienced or what you are in the process of experiencing to connect it to the experience of the apostles being close to our Lord and then in the immediate presence of God in the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Having been a server since I was in fourth grade, third grade, and having been speaking about the possibility of a vocation since I was eight years old, serving at Mass, being in church was very special. Driving home after Mass is for me a memory of always humming the recessional hymn or whatever the, whatever the last sacred song was and um, keeping it in my head all the way home. In high school, especially having been confirmed and having for the first time experienced something uniquely transformative, having already spent many hours in prayer, already experiencing that closeness of God in the Blessed Sacrament, especially when he's enthroned on the altar in solemn exposition. As a young boy, especially at, at Wednesday evening holy hours when Father Fasano was, was preaching and leading the rosary at St. Michael's in Annandale, there was something unique about the closeness of God at confirmation, but I didn't recognize it. I didn't have words for it. At that time, I, I might have attributed it to the, the presence of Bishop Keating, the first time I was with Bishop Keating, or uh, my reading at Mass for the first time at that confirmation Mass, or maybe my brother, now Father Marcus, being the sponsor who was sitting next to me during the confirmation Mass. By the time I was ordained, and, and, and now as I look back and connect the dots, I think I understand better what God was permitting me to experience. Because by that time, and then most especially in high school, when there were many retreats and many multi-days of silence with the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, there were palpable and overwhelming, memorable experiences of not only praying and being filled with love of God and, and having every doubt just dissolve, but, but being in the presence of our Lord on the altar and, and knowing 
no barrier, no boundary, no space between us. It, it would be parallel to what, in ascetical theology, we distinguish between the, the practice of meditation, where you are thinking about our Lord, you're thinking about God, you're thinking about an event in his life, you're thinking about an attribute of God, or you're just thinking about sacred scripture and how God is revealed and manifested. And how sometimes by, by God's choosing, that meditation is, is, is overtaken by, by contemplation, where you're immediately in the presence of God, and there's, there's no words. It's as though Christ is, is, is right with you, not just in front of you. And, and, and you, you lose the capacity to, to read or to speak because he's, there's no distance between you two. Those of us who have had that experience can easily make one of two mistakes having that overwhelming encounter with our Lord. Some of us make the mistake of thinking, wow, now I must be holy if that's happened to me. When in fact, you know, our Lord is permitting you to experience something of what is to come later. It's to help you and encourage you. It's like the transfiguration, where all of a sudden you see, for a moment, what you will experience forever in heaven. So we keep on plotting, we keep on praying, we keep on doing penance, we keep on growing in virtue, we keep on trying to root out bad habits and replace them with good habits. Another mistake that a good soul might make, not knowing what, what gifts the Lord has to bestow on us, is that it's only at the altar and it's only in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament that such an experience can happen. I'm not even speaking of the other silly mistake of thinking that we're just supposed to conjure up those feelings and then we invent uh, methods or techniques with candles or with incense or with other, you know, whatever, f fluffy toys or teddy bears to try to recreate that experience of being so close to God. I'm not, you're not prone to that, so don't worry about that. But we are prone to making the mistake of thinking that there is nothing that will ever compare to that closeness of being immediately transported onto the altar and into the monstrance and inside the heart of Christ. And if you have experienced Pentecost, you know what I mean. Imagine the apostles. Now, we've already done the research, and we are, we're already remembering Matthew 28. We know that he gave the Great Commission, and we've already looked at Acts 1, and we know that he said, remain in Jerusalem. You will be clothed with power from on high. And we still have in mind Luke 24, in those last words, where we know that they then returned to Jerusalem, praising God and continually blessing him in the temple. They were already believers they were, they were unwavering friends of Christ by that moment.
if we had told them, there is going to be something that will happen to you so that the closeness of God that you experienced after the resurrection, as much as you would wish to see our Lord again face to face, confident as you may be that you will see him in heaven. That, that that same experience of Christ and you being one will happen to you even when you can't see him. And it won't be the power of God only working on you and working outside of you. It will be the power of God coursing through you. We realize then Christ had to be absent in order for the apostles to experience the Holy Spirit and know this is God. This is a divine person exactly the same as the divine person of Christ. This is not inferior. This is not subordinate. This is the presence of God. This is not merely an extension of something that comes with being able to see Jesus and being able to hold his hand and, and, and even putting our, our, our fingers inside of his wounds. This is God. And not for my benefit primarily. I already, I already love our Lord. I already, I'm already constant in prayer. We're already living in charity. There's no more self-loathing and mutual recrimination as would have been the case of the apostles in the upper room after the arrest and the death and the burial, and even after the resurrection, at least for a week. This is the power of God now given to you for the salvation of the world. You'll experience it differently, and you'll experience it from time to time, not at your choosing, when God makes it happen. It won't feel like your feet touch the ground. It won't feel like your words are your own. It won't feel like the charity you have for that person, even they be difficult or unsightly or malodorous, or offensive. The charity that comes out of your heart for that person, that's not you. That's not a feeling. That's the love of God. You will, be, you will experience something of the, of the glory of heaven and the communion of saints. Of God not just being outside of you, but you being inside the Lord. It will make you tremble when you, when you reflect on it and realize what's going on. Because this isn't just a really great cup of coffee that just happened. This is the Holy Spirit. We might not be handling serpents or drinking poison. 
but we certainly are preaching and we're making present our Lord and Savior. And as much as we can't make it happen, we can, however, turn it off if we decide not to be supernatural, if we decide simply to be concerned about our own worries and our own needs and wants. So maybe on our own then, we'll pray again the Vene Creator Spiritus. We'll ask the Lord to come into our hearts. And we can even, we can ask him to, to care for our loved ones for whom we pray, those for whom we offer up our penances. Our Lord told us to turn to him in our need and to be honest and candid with them. But we open up our souls and ask the Lord to make us instruments of his power, his glory, and his grace. We ask him to defeat demons and to overcome indifference and to transform souls by our presence, by our words, by the grace that God has given us that then works through others. And we don't even have to ask the Lord to give us a gift that we can perceive but even in our ordinary activity, knowing that it's with God's grace, we know that he can work miracles. When the apostles started preaching after receiving the Holy Spirit, did they all of a sudden speak in many different languages? Or did they just simply speak and the different ears could understand what was happening, what they were saying? The miracle wasn't limited to what was happening in the soul and the mouth of the apostles, it was in the soul and the ears of those who heard them. You'll experience something of what it's like to be a priest at the altar where the words coming out of the mouth are ordinary words. But God does something with them that is most incredibly out of the ordinary. And it's not the power of a person, it's the power of God conformed in that person that works through those ordinary lips to do what only God can do. And as tempted as we are to run away from it, as tempted as we are to say, I'm not worthy of that, as tempted as we are to despair and think, surely that can't happen through me. Or as much as we might tremble and realize that we are in the presence of the living God and we must be holy. The Lord, with that same gift of the Holy Spirit, will sustain us. As much as it takes courage to be an apostle, it takes great humility. And so with the words of St. Augustine, we pray, breathe in us, O Holy Spirit, that all our thoughts may be holy. Act in us, O Holy Spirit, 
that all our work too may be holy. Draw our hearts, O Holy Spirit, that we love but what is holy. Strengthen us, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard us then, O Holy Spirit, that we always may be holy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.